Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Well, hello, Seattle. Hello, Puget Sound, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, advanced sommelier, your weekend wine guy, and... uh, well, the Baron of the Boeing Wine Club today. I've, I'm super excited. I had the pleasure of hanging out with, uh, well, the Cognoscenti of Aerospace uh, last month up in Edmonds. And we had a, uh, well, the, na- the international, I guess it's not international, it's a, the local wine competition, the Boeing Club wine competition. And uh, I said, if I could be a judge and participate in that and really um, appreciate the history and, and all the uh, cool winemakers that have come out of that club, um, I would love to have the winners on the show. And so, lo and behold, I stick to my word. And I've got uh, not only the winner, but I have Steve Foisey, who is the chairman of education uh, since 1985 for the Boeing Wine Club, as well as Mike Doherty, who's the president, John Barber, who's the vice president of wine. And uh, that's a card you probably want to make for yourself. And as well, uh, Larry uh, Westerland, who is the best of class winner for his 2018 I'll keep it a secret till we get there. Uh, it is September. That means fall is here. Harvest is upon us. Um, and God, thank goodness all that smoke cleared the air, right? Uh, I'm sure that uh, there'll be some talk about smoke-tainted grapes, but I wouldn't worry about it. You got probably more smoke from a barrel than you do from uh, that light haze that uh, overtook Seattle for the last two weeks. And so, um, but anyway, I had a great time in Edmonds. It was a sunny day, a beautiful place, looking at the, the Puget Sound, of course, and tasting a bunch of wines. We had a great caliber, or a great cadre of judges, uh, John Bell, uh, Teresa Lapierre, Tracy Lapierre, uh, Tanya Morningstar Darling, uh, who else was up there? Uh, some cool cats who makes who did some wine tasting, and we had a lot of fun. So let's chat about it. Uh, Steve Foisey, Chairman of Education for the Boeing Wine Club. Welcome to Happy Hour. Hey, Chris. Thanks a lot. So uh, this idea of the Boeing Wine Club, um, I mean, Boeing was started back in, what, 1911 or something? No, wait, 1908, 1907, because it was 100, 100 years ago. No, 1917. We had a 100-year celebration just recently. I remember seeing all the stuff last year. 16. Yeah. All right. Great. So it's uh, it's still fresh in my mind. When did this uh, idea of making alcohol? <laughs> when did the hooch, the hooch hookers come up on board and at uh, Boeing? Well, actually, it started out as a group of people interested in gourmet cooking, oh, okay. and from that, you know, they, you would get one. There were three groups, as I understand it, that started, and one group would you know, develop the menu, and the other two groups would come up with the wine that would pair with the menu. This evolved into wine education. There were also other groups of people who were interested in just understanding wine tasting procedures. So, and then, so the, the wine club was actually a subset, made up of a subset of a number of uh, groups within it. And to go back to the beginning, within the Boeing Company, they had what's called the Recreation Organization, Recreation Center. Any group of, of eight to ten people can get together and start a club. And uh, as long as you're a Boeing employee or retiree of the Boeing company or a direct family member, you can participate in that club. Hmm. You had clubs like you know, karate and fencing and ballroom dancing. Of course, not all at the same time in the same room. Um, you had soaring, and, and you, can get, you can go through ground school and become, uh, get your pilot's license. Wow. Uh, they had um, 
They had dog, you know, I mean, there's probably seven or eight, seven, seven, <laughs> seven or eight. cats, oh, you birds, can imagine, yeah. snakes, reptiles? Probably. You know, <laughs> gemology, railroad, anyway, so this club got started about 1971, which makes it, and what I, from what I understand, the oldest winemaking club in the United States. Wow. Goes back to 1971, so we're, we're on, what, uh, 47 years now. So the uh, actual establishment of the Boeing Wine Club goes to 71? Because yep. I'm wondering when gourmet cooking came into light. Was this Julia Child's uh, iteration? Was she back in the late 60s saying, <laughs> Probably, probably. <laughs> Never have too much butter. That's right. Well, gourmet cooking back in that day, I was like, think, what do we have? We had Canlis, of course. We had Rosalini's. We probably Four, had... 10 or 16. Yeah, yeah, yeah. one of those. Um, and then maybe we yeah, I don't know. What else was around? Ivers, Salmon House. Yeah, but and also at the same time, we didn't have a whole lot of winemaking going on either. No. And so this served as a, a vehicle for people to come in and learn about wine. Not only wine tasting, but within a few years, a guy by the name of Chuck Karanko started teaching winemaking. Of course, back then, there weren't a lot of vinifera grapes available, so it was made with uh, kits. You went out and oh, bought right. your concentrate, concentrate. And, uh, and, and Camden tablets just and stuff like that. Just water and yeast. Yeah, that's that it. That easy. Yeah. Well, you know, we understand that Chateau Saint-Michel has just celebrated 50 years in 2018, so obviously having their establishment in 1968, um, there wasn't a lot going on, and I want to say there was maybe 2,500 acres, or yeah, 2,500 acres of grapes planted at that time. If that, yeah. If that, it would have been Cabernet, Grenache, Chenin Blanc, and probably Riesling, Riesling at the yeah, time. Exactly. Uh, and a lot of those vineyards, as we had Otis, I think was 62, and um, Sagemore? Sagemore was 79, I think okay. it was, if I can recall. Yeah. But, but you know, these, these brain cells aren't functioning yeah. like they used to. Well, um, how many members have gone through or have been participant in this Boeing Wine Club? And is it called the Boeing Wine Club? I want to make sure I'm getting well, the vernacular right. It, it, it evolved. Initially, the name was Boeing Employees Winemaking Club. And then in 78, when the when the Congress, U.S. Congress passed the law saying it's okay to, to homebrew, in 79, it became effective. And so people started you know, making uh, wine, and that, that was another, or excuse me, beer. And then within a few years, it became the Boeing Employees Wine and Beer Making Club. And, and making merry, and I making imagine. Mary, yeah, you bet. <laughs> now, could could you actually bring alcohol onto uh, the, the the facility site and and have it in that recreation in, room? In the or? recreation center, we did, but it was only under the auspices that you were evaluating spit and and oh. not drinking. You're not consuming alcohol per se. It had to be in a brown paper bag. Yeah, why not? <laughs> no, we we did. We had some of our major events uh, on uh, at the rec center down in Kent when it, when we had that uh, facility available to the to the employees at that time. Well, so it's 1971. So we're talking about uh, really 47 seven years. years. Yeah. That's a long time. That's half. That's a half life for most of us. <laughs> and what what point was the heyday? I, I know that it probably ebbs and flows, like most member organizations or private clubs. I worked there for a long time and saw membership go up and down, according to uh, a lot of the stock market. Uh, was there a, a flux, an influx, an interest? Did you peak at some point, and are you gaining yeah. more strength or momentum these days? Yeah, we, we're 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 going through a, a renaissance now, but. The real heyday was in the mid-1990s. Um, there were more and more higher quality grapes available at the time. They were, uh, um, we had more members that we were, uh, we were peaking at um, over 200, 215, 220. Today we're about 75, 80. But back then we had a couple really um, passionate winemakers. Uh, Tim Narby of Notabene, he and right. his wife formed Notabene. Uh, he, in 19... 
1995 or so, 1996, he, he started an initiative in the club and just started, let's, let's go out and try to find some better grapes. And a year later, Ben Smith of Cadence um, took over the role of um, uh, grape procurement. And from, from that effort of his, we were able to land about 27 absolutely stellar vineyards. I mean, like Clipson, Ciel du Cheval, Spring Valley, Tapteal, uh, Chandler Reach. It goes on and on. We had, we had um, one really outstanding vineyard uh, in our portfolio, and that was, uh, which now is Shampoo. That came into the club in 1988-89. But at that time, we had a lot of people really interested not only in winemaking, but the potential of becoming commercial winemakers. And with that interest, uh, there was more. Uh, we were able to buy probably in the neighborhood of 55 to 60 tons of grapes. Wow. You was, probably made uh, some gravy for some of those growers because that's a good chunk of grapes at that point in, in history. We had a huge presence, I think, and um, not only in buying and purchasing the grapes from the, from the vineyard managers, but also there was a, a, an interest in understanding about the Washington uh, wine growing you know, association getting and and so the club would often send representatives to their their annual meetings, and so we had a presence even in in within the um, Washington Wine Commission, exactly. a wine board, I think it was called, in nineteen ninety five. I think yep. Steve Burns was the first head of that. Exactly. And when I think about nineteen ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven, uh, we only had four appellations here in uh, in Washington State. Of course, the first being uh, Yakima Valley, then Columbia and Walla Walla Valley in the same year. And of course, Puget Sound became an appellation in nineteen ninety five. So Based on that, we probably had maybe less than 20,000 acres of grapes, I'm sure. And, and some of the stalwarts, the, the Hogues, uh, the Paul Thomas, the uh, uh, Apex, and the San Michels, of course, um, who else? Bernard Griffin were probably procuring a lot of those grapes. And, and at probably 97, we had probably 230 wineries, if I recall. That's, that wasn't a lot. In, in 1996, we, um, the Washington industry, wine industry, suffered or the grape grower suffered freeze. a huge freeze. Yeah. And, and there then became a question as is, well, why are we selling grapes to amateurs when the winemakers need them? And so that started uh, wine growers you know, um, questioning who, where, what are their priorities. Yeah, grape growers, wine growers, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But it didn't seem to, didn't seem to slow us down. And, and t- for, uh, up until about 2003, we, were still, we still had about... About 200 members, and we're still ordering in the neighborhood of about 50 tons of grapes. That's really cool. Speaking with Steve Foisey, Steve Foisey, who is the chair of the the education chair of the uh, Boeing Winemakers Club since 1985. So, do you have an? uh, You actually have a degree? Do you have just history? Do you have experience? What's your deal? Well, um, it starts genetic predisposition, half half Italian, half French. But I'm pretty much self-taught. In in the early days, when I I first started making wine in 1975, I had the advantage of uh, having a cousin by the name of Lou Torrey, who was uh, a scientist, agronomist, working with Walt Clore over in Prosser. And so that connection with Walt Clore gave us an opportunity to go out and buy grapes uh, before they were harvested by by the big companies. And from there, it was just... Learning and reading, um, probably one of the most influential books for me was in the early 80s when Emile Pagnot's book on knowing and making wine was translated from French to English. And there was something called malolactic fermentation. Nobody seemed to know what that stuff was. Interesting. And so every year you learn something significant. And Well, of course we do. Every, every vintage is different. Every barrel is different. Every... Uh, uh 
uh, fermentation temperature seems to be different at some times, unless you get all the, the cool technical stuff. Now, Walter Clore was called the godfather of Washington wine. He was an, a, an uh, agricultural scientist from uh, Oklahoma State. He came out here, and his first deal was asparagus. I remember uh, I was awarded the Walter Clore Honorarium from the Washington Wine Commission, so I learned all about this guy. And uh, he helped um, secure vitis, viniferous roots here in the Pacific Northwest. Um, you've had a bunch of wine competitions over the years. Um, which which wine competition did we have this 2018? What number? Was it the 30th, or did you actually have everyone since 71, so 47th? I couldn't tell. I couldn't, couldn't answer that. But in your history, since 85, right? Yeah, every year. Yeah. Okay. So I would imagine that we're probably on number 45. This, this is probably our 45th anniversary. All right, maybe except for that freezer. And by the way, yeah. 96 is when Leonetti came out with the American appellation on their Cabernet Sauvignon because they brought grapes from California okay. to blend with their Washington grapes. Um, how many winemakers are actually in the club now? There's probably in a neighborhood of about 80 or so. Cool. That's now, great. Actual, not commercial winemakers. Sure, there's, sure. There's, I think there's about 25, 30 commercial winemakers. But since 1985, uh, roughly 500 people have gone through the education program at the, uh, for the Boeing Wine Club. That's neat. Now, looking at the history, you had a great newsletter from the 1980s, 82, uh, and I got to read some fun names. Bob Betts was the communications manager for Sam Michelle back then. He was on the, the tasting panel. Jerry Warren, one of the founders of the Seattle Enological Society, was on the panel, as was Richard Kinsey's, who uh, now owns Wine Outlet there on Elliott Avenue and some other places, and he was the PI guy for wine. Um, that's pretty neat. Obviously, uh, you, you t- tend to get some of the, some good people there at these tastings. And what's when you think about hosting the tasting? What's the the mission? Quickly, well, education, education. Yeah, I think, and that's probably the most important thing that we try to encourage people to enter their wines. Is that, is that you get a, you get somebody in the professional wine industry who has, who has an opportunity to taste your wine and give you. A really good evaluation. Yeah, we did take some notes. Yeah, it was and cool. That, and that's that that's exceptional. So not only and if they're if they're you know really noteworthy like Larry Westerlin's uh, wine that he entered, you know that you get that fee, you get that feedback and honor of of knowing that you're one of the best wines in a group of uh, 75, 80 wines that have been entered. So Very cool. Good. Well, I'm excited. We've got uh, a bunch of wine to taste as well as uh, the best of class from 2018. Uh, Steve Voicey, thanks so much for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Absolutely. Hey, folks, stick around. We're going to taste some uh, more than amateur wine. This is Almost Professional right here on Happy Hour Radio. Tune it in and turn it up. Cruise home with Kirby. The Kirby Wilbur Show, live and local. Weekdays, 3 to 6 p.m. KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends continue. Now back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, hope you're on a great Saturday night in this September Labor Day weekend. Uh, This is the time to relax, pop something great, because we know what's coming our way. It's going to be school and, uh, of course, uh, darkness and clouds and rain. But let's forget that, because we've got uh, some sunshine in the glass. I've got two Boeing Wine Club makers. In fact, they are part of the hierarchy of the Boeing Wine Club, founded in 1971. Uh, Mike Doherty is the president, and John Barber is the vice president of wine. Gentlemen, welcome to Happy Hour. Thanks for having us, Chris. All right, so you've got some wines here. Uh, Let's talk to you, Mike. Mike, when did you join the Boeing Wine Club makers, or Boeing Winemakers Club? Um, I joined it in 2011. 
2011. Yeah. Were you playing at home? Did you like practice before you, you tried your audition to show everybody, or did you actually started making wine in 2011? 2010 was my first year, and uh, Paul Kitsky, who I tailgate with over at Washington State, and he grows grapes, I said, hey, I want to make some wine. He goes, I'll save you some grapes. Fun. So he called me up and went over, <laughs> picked them up. I didn't know what I was doing, made it. and uh, How'd it turn out? My wife said it was drinkable. Okay. So, and, so you uh, let her drink it all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was the first wine? It was a cab. A cab. Yeah. It's interesting that we go for cab right away because um, obviously tannin management and ripeness and green lists and pyrazines can be a challenge. Uh, you made your first batch for the wine club in 2011? Yep. Wow. So you were you started out tough. And you, the fact that you stuck, stuck through those very difficult vintages is a testament to your tenacity, but also... Uh, do you still have some bottles of that 2011? Yeah, I have a uh, 2011 Syrah still around, and uh, I think that's it. How are they showing, or how is it showing? Good, it's good. Yeah, because I think th- it takes five, six years. I, f- I call yeah. that vintage going to be great because everyone used less oak. We had natural acidity, a little more tannin, less overripeness. To me, it was a hallmark vintage for Washington State because I think the wine industry recognized that they don't have to do as much work as they thought they did to make those wines. Now, whether they get 95 points or not is a different thing, but I think that they'll be long-lived. You brought two wines today. Um, let's talk about these wines. You have a Petit Verdot yep. and a Syrah. Yeah, the Petit Verdot is from Lake Colleen, so it's a 2015. Um, it's a carboy wine, so that was the last year I used carboys before I switched to oak barrels. And wow. Tasty. Uh, so Carboy is a five-gallon glass container, typically, or it could be plastic. And there's a little bung on top that has a, uh, I forget what you call that, a, a gas exchanger with a little water thing. Um, that's delicious. Now, Petit Verdot is a relatively young grape in Washington State, probably, you know, seven, eight, ten years old to the max. We certainly haven't cultivated, or I would say today we're cultivating it more um, successfully to be a standalone wine. Petit Verdot, obviously, a blending grape out of Bordeaux. Uh, it is a little higher acid, higher tannin, and lots of uh, inky color. So it's great for adding that little dash to the blends. This is 100% Petit Verdot? Yep, 100%. And uh, how do you describe this wine? Um, I think it's a... Tasty? Tasty, yeah. <laughs> it's good. It's one of my better wines. I mean, one of my best wines I've done so far. Uh, it's it, well-balanced. I think yeah. it's clean. Um, you've got great fruit. You've got great structure. I like that. Did you use a few little oak chips or something? I did. I used uh, oak cubes. Okay. So. Uh, which I think work in, in when a sm- and when you're doing small batches because it's just enough. Um, I, I can certainly always... Uh, I don't say always, but I, I'm certainly um, perception. My perception of oak and, and tannin uh, is pretty acute. So I understand uh, sometimes when the large producers, when you make 10,000 cases of wine, I know exactly what they're yeah. using. Uh, in this case, uh, it worked out. So did you, these are French oak chips, I take it? Yep, yeah, it was uh, Staven French oak cubes. So, so fun. Well, good job. How many wines are you making today? Um, I, this year I'm only doing three. And. Uh, Syrah, Petit Verdot, and? Uh, actually, this year I'm doing Cab, Syrah, and Primitivo. Primitivo. Yeah. Interesting. So. Did you drink a lot of Primitivo to sort of figure out where you want to go yeah, with that? Yeah, part of my Boeing job. I spent a lot of time in southern Italy, so mm. lots of Primitivo. And uh, What's your Boeing job, if I can ask? Um, finance. I work finance. Yeah. All right. So. Finance it. Okay. Fantastic. Next wine is a Syrah. Tell me about this. Okay, so the Syrah is a, let's see, that's a 2016. It's a... A blend of two Syrahs, 
uh, Lake Colleen and Morrison Lane, Syrah. Uh, and it was uh, about, I did a 30 gallon barrel, so it's uh, third use oak. So. Great. Syrah doesn't need a lot of new oak. I no. think when Washington started making Syrah in 2006, seven, when it first came out after we were on the Spectator cover, et cetera, everyone made it like a cap with, with tw 24 months of 100% new French oak. just didn't show well, and I said, you, you can't drink it. Um, these days, we've really dialed in Syrah, obviously, with Cayuse and Kay and uh, Red Willow and, and even uh, Amateurs. Lake Colleen's is really a, a really tasty site. Now, it's not the small Colleen's. It's really the great the ground Colleen's because it, that vineyard has grown a lot mm -hmm. uh, in, there in Walla Walla Valley. Uh, this is delicious. Um, do you guys share corks? I'm curious. Does the wine club say we're all going to go on in the same kind of cork? Because to, to do small production, you're probably spending more per cork than you would if you bought, you know, a thousand corks. We do. Uh, there is a group buy of corks every year. Some people participate in that. Not everybody, but interesting. Yeah, yeah. you should check that one. It's got just a hint of um, hint of a hint of uh, you know something different than. But the fruit is still fresh. But I, I can tell that it's it's a little bit closed, which maybe it's young. But I think it might be some of those corks. And um, do you guys have different cork producers or, or sources? There, I mean, people use various corks, uh, but we use ACI, I think, is the group buy one. Right on. Yeah. Excellent. So do you have a name for your wines? Do you have a label, so to speak, or do you have a, a brand? Right now, it's just Doherty Cellars. Doherty Cellars. Yeah, yeah I can't so, go wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> so fun. Well, I appreciate you sharing the wine. Congratulations. You're doing a great job. And uh, I know you participated in this year's... Uh, uh, was there a first, second place, I don't, third place, or was it just best of show? Um, well, we had... Uh, Awards in all the classes. Okay. So, did you win any? I got two firsts. Okay. So. Are these the two firsts? Uh, the um, Petit Verdot is. Petit Verdot is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. Hey, congratulations. Keep up the good work. And uh, how's this vintage looking? Good. You're good. good. Yeah. All it's right. Really good. Fantastic. John Barber, who is the vice president of wine, uh, you brought some wine today. Um, when did you get started winemaking? Well, about the same time as Mike, uh, 2011 is when I joined the club, but I actually started on my own um, at the local uh, homebrew shop and got myself a kit. A kit for wine? Yeah, uh, grape juice concentrate, Great. Sonoma Cab Sauv. Oh, really? Yep. What did that taste like? Uh, I didn't really care you for it too it? much. I tasted it. Was it real it. bitter um, and sweet? After fermentation, I actually brought it back to the homebrew shop because I thought something was wrong with it. <laughs> <laughs> And they just said, nope, it's just a young, hot wine. So. Just a young, hot wine. Yeah. So it, what would, did you get a, hydro, a hygrometer? What's it called? The, the, the alcohol. Yeah, the hygrometer, Hy Hydrometer. Right? Hygrometer. Hygrometer is for uh, uh, humidity. Humidity in, yeah, yep. for plants. Yep. So hydrometer, did you have a hydrometer? Did you, were you in the 14, 5, 15% alcohol? Yeah, it was up there. I just, I just think it just was high in alcohol. Carboy, so, right? Yep, carboy, so you let six it, gallon. you just let it go? Yep, uh, same with Mike. So uh, that hot ferment. Hot ferment. Right. Uh, then did the uh, oak chips like yeah. Mike. Yeah, you get the fusel alcohols in that. You get some of that real uh, alcohol, funny car kind of alcohol, which exactly. is, is really burning in a uh, yep. of a hot fermentation. Uh, so obviously now, do you control your fermentation? I do, yeah, <laughs> um, which helps a lot. Uh, controlling the fermentation with temperature, um, and then how much oxygen we use in the ferment as well. Excellent. Uh, the first one you brought is what? 
Oh, so this is a uh, 2015 Red Mountain Cab Sauv. Wow, that sounds like, you know, top-rate stuff. Yep, and it's with one of the uh, vineyards that we procure uh, a lot of grapes from, Arts Vineyard in uh, Red Mountain. I saw uh, Dick Arts, or uh, was it Fred Arts? Fred. Fred. It's Dick Shaw. I saw Fred Arts at the Auction of Washington Wines a couple weekends ago and said hi to him. Um, that was really fun. And also, I was actually saw Ben Cadence. Uh, sorry, Ben Cadence. Ben Smith <laughs> from Cadence in Dallas. We were both at Texom a couple weeks ago as well. Pretty fun. Hey, this is really tasty. Thank you. Uh, this is spot on. Uh, what vintage? 15? 2015, so still kind of young. And I like full-bodied tannic wine, so this one's probably needs some age. Excellent. Uh, what's the second wine you have? Oh, I only brought the one. Oh, okay, yep. great. I yep. had two glass. One's empty then. Well, what's we gonna do with that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, how much wine did you make? You said six gallons. No, um, in twenty well twenty thirteen, I uh, progressed into a uh, oak barrel, a smaller format, uh, fifteen gallon oak That's barrel, good. and so this is a third use Hungarian oak. Yeah, I like Hungarian oak. Um, Walwell Vintners has always used Hungarian oak uh, as part of their uh, cooperage program, and I've really like it. I think you get enough spice in there to make it. European, but also enough vanilla and coconut to make it really delicious and tasty, but not yeah. too much dill. So let's talk about wine. What would you say the cost of this wine was to make? Oh, roughly maybe $8. $8. Yep. Interesting. So Red Mountain Fruit, hand, you know, hand punched down. Um, obviously, you didn't have to pay harvest, but you did pay for the grapes, so that's all included. And the barrel, so 8 bucks. So it's interesting to know that Red Mountain wines can shoot for $75, $100, huh? Yeah, absolutely yeah. right. So it's probably yep. better to make your own. <laughs> <laughs> and how many years did it take for you to have the confidence that you do today? Oh, it took probably three years, and, I, and I'll be the first to tell you I uh, messed up my first couple vintages. I over-oaked my 11 and 12 Syrah. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, yeah, but, that's it. But we learn. We so. do learn. Yep. Yep. What'd you do with that wine? Did you dilute it? Um, I didn't. I just kept it in the bottle and just want to see what it does. So okay. I still have uh, quite a few in my cellar, and it's still oaky. <laughs> still oaky. So fun. Hey, uh, that's Mike Doherty and John Barber, the president and vice president of wine for the Boeing Wine Club. Next up, I got Larry uh, Westerlin, who is the best of class. Guys, good job. Thanks for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Great. Thanks for having Thanks, me. Regular guys separated by 20 years and a full head of hair. Mark Lee and Van Camp. Weekdays 9 to noon. Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. And you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back. Time for round three. And uh, I've got three winemakers in the room and three glasses of wine, but only two from the best of class winner in the 2018 Boeing Wine Club Makers competition, which took place last month in Edmonds, Larry Westerlin. Hey, welcome to Happy Hour. Yeah, thanks for having me, Chris. Super excited. Um, I appreciate you being here today. I know that it's tough to take those Saturday nights off, especially when you make such great wine. You're probably doing the media tour, and this is part of it. Uh, congratulations. Let's talk about when you got started. How many years have you been making wine? I've been making wine since 2002. 2002. Yes. How was that vintage? If I recall, 2002 was slightly cold vintage. Um, it was a lousy summer in Seattle, but 2003 was hot. Yeah, both years were pretty good. I, for me, anyway, I, I really enjoyed the uh, 2002. 2003 was better for me, though. Right. 
Because obviously when you're buying smaller amounts of grapes, you're probably getting, you know, not quite the best selections because you're a new guy, et cetera. And they're, but you, we got great ripeness all around, lots of heat. And so some of those extra bunches that hung on the four or five tons per acre lots that um, had some extra grapes to give. Because the, do they give you the grapes? Do you buy grapes that are, you know, 2.5 tons an acre? We're buying grapes by the pound, but they do, you know, if we're buying them 4,000 pounds at a time, we're getting a, quite a few grapes Oh yeah, a single vineyard. Sure. All right, so you uh, started in 2002. What was the first wine you made? The first uh, the first wine in 2002 was uh, a Syrah from uh, Cayona Vineyard. It was, uh, it was pretty good. It was my first wine, and I was being coached. I uh, started out uh, with a mentor, Ron Yabbitt. And uh, it's funny that uh, uh, he learned from Dave Larson. And, uh, you know, Dave Larson has Seuss Creek. And so he started out in the mid-90s, I think, and jumped right into commercial winemaking thereafter. And, and I learned from mostly helping Ron through his commercial winery, you know, experiences. Wow. Um What's your role? What's your position at Boeing? I'm a avionics manager up in Everett. On I see. All models. So that's the computer, the nose cone kind of thing? Well, we do radio navigation and air data and inertial reference systems. Is there any crossover between that and winemaking? None. <laughs> Which is more stressful? Definitely working at Boeing. Oh. <laughs> okay. So you guys, you guys haven't formed a, a union yet for your winemakers club, I take it. No, that must be next, though. I think John will have to take that on. Uh, so fun. Um, how many years have you been participating in the Boeing Wine Club competition? I started out in 2005 participating in the, in the competitions and uh, did pretty well back uh, back then. I, I got pretty lucky, but it was nice to have a, you know somebody helping me, coaching me through, and, and uh, that's pretty much how a lot of the, the, the guys that are in the club that get started – Oh, yeah. Are successful. You just learn from everybody else, right? I mean, you you have to. They say they say practice makes permanent, but you have to practice correctly, right? I mean, that's the that's point. right. Yeah, it does. It does help to uh, learn from somebody else that's gone through some of the mistakes. Interesting. So, in two thousand five, were you? Did you expand your horizons to other Vitis vinifera grapes and outside of Syrah? Did you go to Cab? Oh yeah. So we know what you made for the for the winners this year. I definitely. Yeah, uh, you know, I like Syrah. I, Cabs are great. That's my most favorite, and then uh, Merlot, and then I I do all the blends in between. I'll I'll mix a cab with a Syrah, and then I'll do cab Merlots. Getting real Merlots crazy, and, are you? No, I I keep it you know pretty straightforward, but <laughs> go half and half or keep it straight. I like that. So, do you have a panel? Do you have a tasting panel in which you help uh, approve some of the blends? Because what you don't want to get is uh, you know amateur house palate, do you? Sure, that's what you call it. No, I I just go with what I like. Oh, okay, that's it. Then that's really an important part because when I make wine, it's the same thing. I, I understand that I want to make a certain style of wine. I want to have certain um, characteristics, of course, structure, et cetera. But at the end of the day, it's it's you you probably the one to end up drinking it, so I can't you know, well, sell it. Not only that, though, I mean, I do take input because I've been in a part of the club for so many years and and – when you're in the competition, you, you get to read feedback from the forums that the the judges provide, and and that's helpful because you know you you do understand what maybe more people 
you know, care to, to drink. So it's that's really good that way. It's, so yeah, I've th- toned it down, especially some of the oak. I really like a lot of oak. Other people don't like so much oak. So well, this is true. Right. Well, it's it's got to be that balance. It's like toast. I mean, you want your toast to be perfectly toasted with just enough butter and jam. And, you know, sometimes it's brown or it's, it's under-toasted. It's just not the same. And we all have different perceptions of what lemonade is. What's the perfect lemonade? Right. Well, it depends if it's, you know, lemonade and vodka or something else. Um, all right. We have two wines here. Uh, this first one is intriguing. I, I thought it was more of a Grenache. It's a little dark, but um, it seems to be like a Rhone blend to me. It's it's Yeah, well, it's actually, um, it's a Cabernet. It's a Chandler Reach Cab with uh, uh, Red Mountain Vineyard Merlot. So it's kind of a half and half. Did I get the right one? Which one was that? The no. first one you poured? We can try that again, but uh, pour some more cab for me because I'm not getting the tannin on it. That this must be very, is it light tannin, very gentle. Well, it may because it does have a lot of merlot in there, and it tones down the the tannins when you pour in when you get that uh, that low acidic, um, high pH, Red Mountain Vineyard. I was drinking the wrong one. I was drinking the merlot. Oh, okay, that explains it. Yeah, that's why I, like, I couldn't get but it. But the Chandler Reach, I blend those two so I get the acidity up. And, and Chandler uh, Reach is in the Yakima Valley, right? Yeah. Just um, it's that beautiful uh, Tuscan villa, which you pass on uh, I-82, I think it is. That's uh, right. Whatever that street is. Um, uh, congratulations. It's delicious. Did you enter that into the competition this I, year? I did. I got beat out by Mike or Steve. I don't know. These guys are... Yeah, it was a second place, though. Oh, okay. Well, that's still significant. I think we had... Was Cabernet Sauvignon the largest entry, or was it something else? Yep. That that was a blend... That one went into the blend uh, uh, okay. classification. Right. I, I think, you know, it's interesting, because I, I host the Seattle Wine Awards and Oregon Wine Awards, and we think about blends, you have a different perspective unless you're saying it's a Bordeaux blend, and I don't know if that's what it was, but I don't think we delineated those because Bordeaux blends can be different than other blends. It's just blends, so sometimes you have to sort of teach, lead the brain to sort of figure out what they, well, what what it is. Um, that's why we like to do single blinds, so you know what it is. This is a Bordeaux-style blend, and now you can take all those uh, that criteria into account. Um, second wine, of course, is the best of show, right? Yeah. Let's talk about this one. Well, that's a, a 2015 uh, Merlot. It's a Red Mountain Vineyard Merlot, and it's got about 90% of that, and plus uh, 10% Cabernet. Uh, again, Chandler Reach. Well, that's not Red Mountain. That's right. It's not Red Mountain. No. But it's it's the vineyard. It's a Red Mountain Merlot vineyard. Oh. Okay, which one? Uh, I actually they they got bought. I can't remember the the name of the vineyard. Quintessence, Kiona, uh, oh, it's at Hightower, the end of the road down there. Eclipsen, see all the Cheval Arts. Farther at, at the Shaw. end. I don't know, Steve. You got the Kiona. Remember in one of them. Red Mountain Vineyard Red, got Red bought out. No, the Red Mountain okay. Vineyard. Oh. Yeah, Red Mountain Vineyard. How appropriate. Uh, congratulations. So I remember sitting around the table with the uh, the final six wines that were nominated for Best of Class, and um, you had strong support, and I was lo- looking for the Syrah that I really liked. And I said, God, this is really good. But I said, you know what? You're right. This is a really damn good Merlot. And that, to me, was was it was a great Syrah, but this was a really good Merlot. You've done a great job with this wine. Uh, it should bring Merlot back, I think, 
you know, it's we should call it Mare Mer High instead of Mare Low. It's just some something that we need to sort of reappreciate and re have a different perspective on again because it's a great wine. Oh, I love it too, and I'm going to make more. Uh, I've only made a 15 gallon barrel out of that one there, and plan to to make a, a 30 gallon barrel. And for 2018. Yeah, that's that's definitely balanced. Uh, I like that. It's got a good core of um, dark red fruit, yeah, plum and dark cherry. Uh, there's also a hint of overripe strawberry, which I think is really good for, you know, it's like, mm, who doesn't like that? Can't go wrong with that. Um, oak was just chips, or was it a barrel? Well, it was a, a once-used barrel. I bought the barrel brand new and, and uh, had Syrah in it for the first vintage or for the first use. And so I had it in there for two years, and then the next one was uh, this Merlot. Oh, I see. So you did two years of New Oak on your Syrah? Yeah, I did. And it was <laughs> actually, it was killer. And really? I, I told you, I, I like uh, a lot of oak. You like so a lot it was of really oak. Good. Fantastic. Uh, are there websites? Are you guys amateurs, or are you guys like under the radar, or do you guys have an internet presence? I, I have no idea if we have an internet presence. What's well, other than the club? We have a club website. What's the club website? B-E-W-B-C. dot org, Or you can just Google Boeing Wine. <laughs> Not first class. What Boeing yeah. wine served in Boeing first class? No, that's different. Uh, well, what a treat. Um, Larry Westerland, congratulations. I want you to stick around, and I want you guys to stick around. We're going to finish up the show, talk about the future of the Boeing Wine Club right here on Happy Hour Radio. He's live, he's local, he's all Northwest. Lars Larson, weekdays noon to 3, Talk Radio 570, KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, having a good time. Uh, kind of flying high here with the Boeing Winemakers Club. Uh, thanks to Mike Doherty, John Barber, and uh, Larry Westerland. Uh, I've got John and Larry still here in studio. Um, John, let's talk about you're the vice president of wine. What's the future of the Boeing Wine Club? Where do you want to go? Well, like um, Steve was mentioning in a prior segment, uh, membership isn't as high as it once was. Uh, we're just trying to re-energize um, the club, get more uh, members involved. Um, spread the good word and uh, continue this uh, nice little community that we have going um, and and really just m- maybe more broaden the the reach of the club not only for those that want to make wine but um, for those that just want to get into wine appreciation as well. Wine appreciation. Exactly. Absolutely. Yep. I'd be happy to come down and host a uh, wine education class and do some how to taste wine like a sommelier or yeah, we'd love that. Like a master small. Yeah, here's all the way. <laughs> I'll be taking my exam next year, and I plan on cruising it, plan on getting it done that first time. Well, that's exciting. Uh, how do you, how can you communicate the benefits of the Boeing Wine Club? I imagine these days, you know, with a company as large as that, you have some gatekeepers that keep, uh, you know, want to make sure that everything that goes out is appropriate and um, inclusive kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's pretty much managed by the club. Um, we're using social media to get the word out. Um, we've got some social networking within Boeing that we're doing as well. Wait, so you have a Twitter handle? <laughs> we're, we're not. We're not quite at Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> 
You're right. Twitter's only like eight, ten years old. You guys will yep. catch on sometime. Um, but if you if you're not on it, you're not missing it. As far as I'm concerned, you know, I'm certainly not missing POTUS for anything like that. Uh, what other social media handles do you have? Is there a Facebook page? We do have a Facebook page, um, and I think we were discussing before. We do have a uh, a website, which is bwbc.org, which is B-E-W-B-C. a mouthful. E W B C Boeing Boeing employees employees wine, wine make wine and beer makers club. Wine and beer, B E W B C. Exactly. Or you can just Google Boeing Wine. I see. That's the easy okay. way to do it. That's yep. the easy way to, to do find it. it. Well, congratulations on uh, the future. You've uh, you've got some talent here, and of course, it all starts in the vineyards. Like we like to say, but uh, you guys haven't messed it up, <laughs> which yeah. is the hallmark of any good winemaker, because we let the terroir show. Uh, Larry, let's talk about what you have on the horizon now that you've got this great honor. Was this your first Best of Show award? It is the best, the first best of show. The first, I like that. That's right. The first of many. First, uh, yeah, no, I, yeah, okay, I'll take that. First so, of many. Yeah, what? Like uh, that, how but, many wines are you producing uh, for 2018 vintage? So I'm going to make uh, a cab merlot and then uh, a cab and a merlot and then a syrah. Okay. Um, do you have names for these? I, I think a lot of times, I'm a free thinker. I like to I'm a marketer. And I like to think of like you know. I, I used to brew beer. I used to have all these names for my beer. Um, obviously, I have a winery, winery called Coral Wines. So, do you have names for your wines? I am. I just keep them so generic, and I it is. It would be better if I had some good names for for uh, my upcoming vintages and some of my past vintages. But I don't have any names. Good idea. <laughs> okay. Well, it, does it, John? Do you have names for your wine? Yeah, right now it's Barber Cellars, but there's a uh, winery in Napa that would probably have a problem with that. So. Is there a barber down there? Yep. B A R B E R. Is it B A R B O U R? Oh, really? Yep. Okay. Well, maybe they they shouldn't. This is more is better, right? There you this go. is more yep. popularity. Um, Larry, when you th- are you using the same corks as far as the uh, the group goes? I do. Uh, I go in with the the thousand. We get like a thousand uh, corks. Sure. And they they come into big bags, or you can, they they do split them up into five hundred cork bags for us also. Now is everything hand bottled and hand corked for most of the the Boeing Wine Club makers? I just use a floor corker and, and yep. it's just a bottle. So there's machine. no bottling truck that comes in for someone who's nope nope. I, and I see the labels are on it, and those are all hand um, applied labels. Yep. So, Mine's a paint pen. I <laughs> I do have a label for my Westerland Cellars. Uh, label but i'm so lazy i just don't even get around to putting the labels on i just write on them yeah there you go there's a lazy red here and, and what's, <laughs> what's in it? uh well this is pretty neat i like the fact that everything's got doherty sellers uh barber sellers and westerland sellers um you guys are right in the same you know same bench there you need to be thinking outside the box you need to be saying it's the where's the triple seven i mean you guys are Boeing. come on well, we got to come up with uh, oh, it's triple seven Merlot. I don't know, maybe there a, could be a trademark problem with that. To, oh yeah, <laughs> we could have a problem with that. Well, uh, we'll be sure to speak to uh, the cats who be up there. Um, well, congratulations! What a fun time! I appreciate you guys uh, hanging out and sharing your uh, your love labor of love. And speaking of Labor Day, this is a labor of love. And uh, best of luck in the future. And be sure to let me know if I can come down and uh, help enlighten anybody on uh, how to taste wine or. Continue as a uh, participant in the evaluation of the Boeing Wine Club's competition. 
Absolutely. Yeah, that thanks for having us, Chris. Yeah, yes. John, Larry, thanks so much. Hey, folks, it is September. That means it's harvest time. So I, I uh, would ask you to, if you want to get a great experience, go check out Woodenville, Yakima Valley, Chelan, and Walla Walla. Now, you won't have a chance to talk to many people, but you'll get a chance to see them working, and it demystifies this whole idea of how wine is made. Um, and if you want to learn more, remember we have a Facebook page. It's Happy Hour Radio, uh, Twitter, Happy HR Radio, and Life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers!